Ephesians chapter 3 this morning, but we're continuing talking about uh, 2020 vision, not just the year, but how we view what's going to happen and how do we make our own vision clear. And we talked in week one about the fact that as followers of Jesus Christ, our vision and God's vision should line up and be aligned or something's off, okay? If, if you've got a different vision than God has, as a Christ follower, something's off. We need to have a vision of who God is and what he wants us to do. That's what Jesus did. He said, I, I only see and do and say what I hear and see my Father doing. And I believe that we'll find power through the Holy Spirit if we'll take on that same thing. And instead of trying to do something and then asking him to bless us, how about we see what he's doing and get in on that? And then last week we talked about that missing component that maybe the reason that uh, it's not working so good for you is that you haven't put anything into action. Uh, we talked about cookies and just taking out one ingredient of the baking soda and you've got flat cookies and everybody looks at those cookies and knows something's wrong with those cookies. Just like people from the outside can look at your faith and go something's wrong with your faith because it doesn't look right. And no guilt and no shame, but it's for us to decide, just like James said, we have to put action to our faith because without action, our faith is dead and useless. Now, some of you are sitting there going, yeah, I don't care what you say. I get it. (laughs) But I'm also going to tell you that we're all going to stand before God someday. And we're going to give an account for our lives and what we did and didn't do. And I don't think you saying, I was too busy watching Bachelor, playing golf, catching salmon, fill in the blank, whatever it may be, I just got too busy. Now, are we saved by the grace of Jesus Christ? Yes. And even though we're going to be saved by the grace of Jesus Christ, we still have to stand before our maker and tell him, why'd you do this? Why'd you do that? And he said, some are going to suffer loss. I don't believe you're going to lose your salvation, but you're going to stand there and you're going to have to explain to him why you wasted so much time, why you wasted your resources, why you had your focus completely on something else other than him as a follower of Jesus. And that's the thing. And and I also just want to lay this down just so that we can be clear here is that just because you said a prayer somewhere sometime and that's the last thing you did, that may not be enough as you continue to stray. And maybe some of you are raised in what we'd call uh, eternal salvation. You said a prayer once, and you can do whatever you want. Notice that that's not in the Bible anywhere. In fact, the Apostle Paul says, I have to be very careful once I've preached to others that I myself might be disqualified. Now, if the Apostle Paul is worried about going off track, I think we should be worried about going off track. Okay? And that's right from the Bible. This is no weird theology. There is nowhere in here that says you can just get saved and then go and do what you want, that is not following Jesus. That's just saying a prayer. Following Jesus means, what's he doing? Am I following him? Am I following what he's doing? Am I following his values? Am I following his decisions? Am I following his type of life? And it's not about robes, and it's not about going to ancient Israel or any of that stuff. It's about living it out every day of our life by putting him first. That's why we're doing this fasting and prayer, is we put him back in the first place, Because as Americans, we get lazy and we slide. 
and things just kind of go slowly, right? You do great on the first two weeks of your diet, and then, hmm. And I don't want to see you slide. And last year, uh, I don't know if you saw it, but Melissa and I took notice of that, that at least three or four people that have been in the faith some up to 20, 25 years decided to call it quits because they had too many questions. Their focus is on the wrong thing. Have all your questions, but keep your focus on Jesus. He is the answer. The Bible will show you where you need to get those things answered. And, and it's not a crisis of faith. If anything, it's a great opportunity for them to come back and find the real Jesus, not some religious thing they were finding. See, we've got to be people that follow Jesus, not a world trend, not a cool church culture, none of that stuff. We have to follow Jesus Christ. That's what we are. We are called to be the church. We are sent people, sent to go out. And if that's not who you think that you are, then maybe you've got a vision problem this morning. You see, the fasting and prayer that go together is like the law of the harvest. It is that as you reap and sow, so it goes with you. The more you reap, the more intentional you sow, the better you're going to reap, but also that you're going to reap later and greater, right? You put the time in now, and you keep sowing prayer and sowing fasting and sowing prayer and sowing the word and sowing good deeds. Those things, they may not seem so evident right now, but later and greater, the harvest comes up, okay? And so don't be discouraged if you're like, man, I am, I'm still fighting through this or I already gave up or that's great. Just listen, hey, it's not about being extreme. It's not about suffering for Jesus. It's about honoring God, putting him first in these things. And even if it's just a meal or even just a section of time, it's not wasted time because you're sowing something, okay? So you don't have to do some 40-day only water. You know, good luck if you've never fasted before. Good God, you're going to have a rough time. But we can take some time to take our minds off our bellies and take the focus off ourselves. In a world that seems to be saying, it's all about you, it's all about you, it's all about you. I'm here to tell you it's not all about you. If we take care of God's business, I believe he'll take care of our business. And you can see that throughout the scripture. It doesn't mean that it's easy, but it is what he's called us to do. So maybe you're somebody this morning that you're suffering from blurry vision. And, and I want to discuss that medically. I, I worked in the medical field for many years. And... Um, I believe the Bible has a great cure for stopping blurry vision. Have you ever had blurry vision? Yeah, maybe, you know, maybe when you first get up and you still got eye boogers and stuff in there and you get up and you're kind of feeling your way to the, to the bathroom and you don't see clearly or, or sawdust or something gets in your eye and it's amazing how something's so small, right? So just so we can all be on the same page, here we go. Blurry vision is when our normal vision, remember our normal vision is what God sees. That's normal vision, okay? Not what the world sees, not what the culture tells you to see. Our normal vision should be what God tells us to focus on. Our normal vision becomes unfocused or unclear. And we talked about this week one, that you've got to have a vision for what God has for you, for your life, for your marriage, for your finances, and you should write it down because I think some of you, I think, oh, I love Jesus, I love church, but you're still unfocused. 
you have no idea how you're going to achieve that goal. And it's unclear. I, I want to I want to have a better year. I hear people say, I hope this is a better year. Well, what are you going to do about it? Well, I, I hope I learned the word better. Well, what are you going to do about it? See, that's just unfocused, unclear. Instead of saying, you know what? I'm going to download the Version app, and I'm going to do a little devotional every day that's going to make me read the word. I'm going to set a timer on my phone, because we all carry them now, that reminds me to pray, even for just two minutes. That's a focused goal. I'm going to stop cheating on my wife. That's a good focused goal, right? And I'm not going to wait till next year. I'm going to start now. I'm going to actually start teaching my kids biblical truth. I'm not going to wait till summer camp. I'm not going to just send them to youth group. I'm going to take care of that since that's the biblical standard that as parents, we should raise our children in the way they should go, right? That's the focus thing. Now, you don't have to say my 15-step plan, but you better have a time, you better have an idea of what you're going to do, and how are you going to do it? And don't make those switches. I shared that of like me saying, hey, I'm giving up McDonald's and I'm only going to Burger King this month. I mean, that's not a goal. That's just switching from one to another. That's like saying, hey, I, I gave up smoking and took up drinking. I mean, come on. But some of you need some of those action steps to get started, and because you have passive faith, right? You didn't even know what you're supposed to do. Well, I'm here to tell you, you need to put some action in there and stop being passive. Okay? It's not easy. It's just like starting anything new. It's not easy. Starting a new weight loss program, starting going to the gym, starting a new habit, starting a new activity, any of that, there's a struggle just like, just like everybody, even the greatest golfers and professional athletes, at one point they were a rookie that didn't know what to do, just like us. But the more you do it, and the more dedicated, the more focused that you are, you find out you can be more than you think you can be. You can read more. You can pray better. You can serve better. You can do those things. But if we're unfocused, then that time just gets away from us. And I don't know if you've ever experienced this. Uh, when Melissa and I, we, uh, at certain points in our life, we, uh, it wasn't that we didn't always have the money, but we wanted to spend the money other places, so we would drive you know, 20 hours, 30, I drive to Oklahoma in, in a day and a half. And you get in a car, and we know where we're going. But there are times when you're driving, and you know you're awake. But all of a sudden, you become a little more awake, and you think, where'd the last hour go? You ever had one of those trips where you see a sign that's, oh man, somehow I zoned out and the last hundred miles are a blur. I don't remember any of it. Now, I know I was driving the car. See, if we're not careful, that will become our spiritual lives where, yep, I'm going to heaven someday, but that's your only goal. He put, it, put us on this planet to not have this blur of life and then Oh, we get to awake to eternal life. He's got a mission for us. He's got a plan for you. He's got a purpose for you. And it's bigger than just trying to make it to heaven. He's already guaranteed that if you'll follow him. But the rest of it is us interacting with others, loving God, loving people, making a difference. That's what this life is all about. So here's some 
some reasons that our vision gets unclear, right? It can be a foreign object. And I'm going to contrast the natural and the spiritual. So I remember as a kid, we were camping one time. Brutal, brutal experience. Oh, my gosh. So thank God it was on our last day. I was out playing around, as always, getting into stuff. And I felt like something got in my eye, and I'm rubbing it and rubbing it and rubbing it and rubbing it. And, and I'm pretty soon I'm feeling my eye getting puffy. And by the time I get back to my mom and dad, I, it looks like we've got a golf ball for an eye. And what I didn't know is that a piece of pollen had got under my eyelid and was irritating it. And I mean, it's amazing how much water and snot can come out of one individual just from a little piece of, right? You can't see, you're trying to get focused. And, and I don't know about you, when one eye's messed up, the other eye didn't see too good either. <laughs> it's blurry, it's hurting, it's stinging, I'm trying to get it out. And even worse, it's, it's no fun trying to get it out either. I've got little eye openings anyway. I, you can't barely even see them. So some doctor wants to get in there and pry around and try and find that pollen. And once the object is removed, whew, because our, our eyes are designed to be highly sensitive, right? And so things that can get in there like dust or sand or railroad spikes or any of those things caused a lot of problems. Now, let's flip to the spiritual real quick. What foreign thing that's not designed to be in your vision is blocking your view of your life in Jesus? The wisest man in the world at the time, and to this day, King Solomon, asked for wisdom. God gave it to him, and he was the wisest man that ever lived. But at the end of his life, he took his eyes off Jesus and started ministering to his wives. And by the time Solomon was done, he was worshiping foreign gods. And I am in no way suggesting you're worshiping foreign gods other than maybe it's money or recognition or drugs or your work or your own identity or your victimization or something else has got in the way of your vision of Jesus. And it's not that you don't love Jesus, but there's a foreign object that is making your vision unclear. And until it gets removed, you won't see clearly. And you've got to figure out, through the power of the Holy Spirit this morning, you should pray, even begin to pray right now. In fact, let's do that right now. Let's just pray. Father God, if there is anything blocking our vision of you this morning, would you reveal it so that we can remove it, God? God, whether we're super impressed with ourselves, whether we are just hell-bent on raising more and more and more money, or, or whether it's all about the kids, or whether it's all about vacation, or whether it's all about buying more stuff, or whether it's about the next fix, or the next drink, or the next sex, or the next this, or the next that. God, whatever that foreign body is, would you help us remove it through the power of your Holy Spirit? God, reveal it to us through your truth, and then give us the boldness to be willing to admit it so you can remove it, God. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. What foreign object is blocking you? Now listen. I love the church, but church is not the object of our worship. Jesus is. I'm so glad that you're here this morning. And we're here to focus on Him and to get enlightened by His Word. But church in and of itself, being in a building, sitting with your friends, sitting with people, being in an atmosphere... There's no difference in this in a rock concert if you're not focused on Jesus Christ. 
We need to be focused on Jesus Christ, not just coming to a place and sitting down and still being unfocused. You being unfocused here is, no, you, you might as well have stayed home. Then there can be eye strain, some tiredness. You've been, you've been on the computer. You've, you've uh, been squinting a lot. You've been out in the sun. You've been out in the wind, and it's been affecting your eyes in the natural. Same thing in the spiritual. We can be going long periods of time without rest, and it affects your vision, right? You need to have periods in your life where you're able to come back slow down, and get deep spiritual, emotional, physical rest. And I don't mean going on a vacation to Disneyland. My wife loves that. But guess what? We're not resting. We're up at 6 in the morning. There when the gates open and there when the gates close. That's not resting. And it doesn't mean to go into Vegas. And it doesn't mean it means you've got to pull some side apart, some margin even just during the week, maybe. Sometimes even just minutes of your day to decompress and to get refocused. Turn everything off. And I know it's hard for a younger generation, but sometimes you just got to turn the music off, pull the things out of your ears, get off YouTube, get off your worship, get off your stuff, and that way you'll be able to actually hear God refresh you. But I think we're afraid sometimes to unplug because what if he tells me what I don't want to hear? He's only going to tell you what's best for you. It may not be what you want to hear, but it's still going to be best for you, right? Then there might be a need for an updated prescription, and this is one of the, the casualties of getting older. <laughs> your eyes, muscles get weaker. You see, it takes muscles to dilate and constrict your pupil, and over time they get weaker, and you can't, you can't see as good, so pretty soon you're going to the doctor to get bifocals, trifocals, quadfocals, whatever they've got in there, progressive lenses, contacts, all those things, so that you can see better. Isn't it amazing that even doctors don't want you to have bad vision, right? How about you? When was the last time you updated your vision? When's the last time you had a vision check in the spiritual? When's the last time you asked, Jesus, am I still following you? Am I still doing what you said? Have I got sidetracked? Has my vision got a little bit blurry? Because I've, I've been in that spot, and, and I'm hard on myself because I expect big things out of God and out of what he's called me to do. And there was a time several years ago that I can admit this to you. I wasn't leading our church well. I was putting out fires. And that's not leading. That's distraction. And I didn't go off the rails, and I didn't lose my faith, but I wasn't focused on getting us forward and finding God's perfect plan and making sure I was trying to get this and this and this and this and this and deal with that and deal with this and can I tell you that if that's your life right now, you're unfocused? Everybody goes through crisis, but you can't let it distract you. You need to get an updated vision prescription for what God has for you. Because if not, your work will take over. 
And at first, you're thankful for that job, and now pretty soon, you're missing your prayer time, you're missing your church time, you're missing your life group time. Some of you, maybe that's just it right there. You've got to get over yourself and your, quote, me time, and you need to invest in some other people. You need to get in a life group. You need to get in a small group. You need to come to a Bible study. You're not doing well. You may think you are, but you're not doing well just doing church one time a week. You need an updated prescription. Because I bet you if I came and followed you around a little bit, or even worse, if we asked to show, what are you doing that's actually impacting anybody other for Jesus Christ, you'd be, your first word would be, um. I'm just trying to make it through work. That's not your vision. That's your job. I'm just trying to get these kids raised. Awesome. That's part of a role as a parent, but that is not your vision. Just like our vision at this church is not to pay the bills. It's not to be a bank. Our job is to lead others into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, but that means we've got to have a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. I can't stop growing. I have to keep going. I have to keep reading. I have to keep pushing forward. I can't just rest on the fact that I've got 10 years at this church and almost 30 years in the ministry. That's nothing because every day there's culture pushing back on you and on me that'll stop us in our tracks and we'll be able to say, hey, I'm doing pretty good. But doing pretty good is not our vision. It's leading others to Christ. That's your vision too. That's what the Bible says, right? That's the new commandment, the new commission, right? Train them up. Baptize them. Teaching them to obey all that I've taught you. Maybe some of you don't know what he's taught you. There's your next action step. You actually need to know. So what's your updated prescription? What do you need to know that you don't know now? Maybe you've got to dig a little bit deeper. Maybe you have to go one extra step. And I'm not talking about more church or louder worship or any of that stuff. I'm talking about actually asking God. God, what do I need? You see what I don't see. What do I need? And that's a great time to do it during our 21 days. You know why? Because our flesh gets weak. When you start changing the food habits, you start doing a little more prayer, your flesh begins to quiet down and your spirit gets a little more vibrant. Did you know that the, the Psalms and the Scriptures reveal to us very well that it says that the spirit is willing, right? You don't have to make your spirit willing. Your spirit is always willing. You know what you have to make willing? The flesh. But we have to weaken it. And for many of us, our activities and our habits and our lack of focus is making our flesh strong and our spirit weak. And we've got to reverse that. If you want to have the life that's going to be a great life, an abundant life, a life that means something at the end, you've got to reverse giving yourself everything you ever wanted, always saying yes to yourself, and start saying no to yourself, and start saying yes to God. That's what's going to get your spirit back in balance. But it ain't easy because we've been taught from a young age to say yes to ourselves at every twist and turn. Not only an updated prescription, but maybe there's something serious going on. In the natural, you could have pressure that builds up in the eye. It creates cataracts, and pretty soon it's like a cloud. In the natural, Maybe something's happened that you didn't even realize and detached retina. That's a serious condition that you could lose your sight. But I'm telling you, 
with that, you don't see clearly. Has there been a, an injury, a trauma? Has there been something, something serious? A relapse back to drugs, a relapse back to adultery, a relapse back to thieving, a relapse back to, back to your old unsaved ways that's a serious condition that's hampering your vision. And it needs to be corrected quickly before you go back to that habit. Now, this is a weird thing, and, and like I said, if you've been around a little while, you know I didn't get raised in this, so a lot of this was new. I didn't have a lot of built-in Christian nothing or, or even the mythology that I found in a lot of Christians that believe things that aren't even in the Bible. But here's one thing I can tell you that almost all of you know. When you get saved, Jesus cancels the debt of our sin and sets us to heaven but that doesn't mean that we're not going to struggle in areas of our life, that we're going to have to keep walking out of stuff. There's some stuff he takes care of just like that. For me, my temper and the booze, gone. I haven't drank since, and I don't think, oh my gosh, I can't drive by that bar. I might get sucked in there. I, I don't have any desire for that. I, my desire, I wish I had all the money back that I spent on that. I wish I, had, wish I had the time back that I wasted on that. But there's some things that you are being passive, saying, well, I hope God will just take this, and I guess if he doesn't take it, you've got to walk out of it. Because there's some stuff that we're walking along, and we thought we were okay, and then all of a sudden we realize it's not completely gone yet. It's like quicksand, and if you don't get out of it, you're going to be stuck there for a while. And that's why we need each other, but that's why we need clear vision, because we begin to fall back into old habits, and what once was a no-no for us when we were first saved, pretty soon, we're starting to slide, and pretty soon we're starting to insert some of our old life into the new life, and it's going to corrupt the new life, and you're not going to have the kind of faith that Jesus wants you to have. When you think about it, has your life, when you first got saved, now again, if you got saved in some wacko religious dress code thing, I am sorry. If you got saved under a pastor that was just over the top and it was thou this and hell this and hell, I'm sorry. But I'm also telling you this, there's many of us, I've been there, that if we're not careful and we're not focused, we start allowing some of that mess to come back into our life. And pretty soon you're watching stuff that you would have never watched the month after you got saved. And you're listening to stuff and you're doing stuff and you're saying stuff you never would have said when you first got saved. When that passion was in you so strong and there was, you're like, oh my God, God is right here and I better watch what I'm doing. And then 10 years later, we take an examination of our lives and we say, whoa, wait a minute. Have my values come down? Are my decisions still what God would want or... What is, what's replaced him, and where's money in this equation? Where's time in this equation? And There's some things you're going to have to decide to walk out of and don't just think, well, if God wants it, he'll take it. Nope, you know that it's killing you. You know that it's keeping you back. You know that it's a bondage. You know that it's not bringing life. Walk out of it through the power of Jesus Christ, and you don't have to do it alone. You can pray, and you need to find a good accountability person. Not everybody. That's dumb, right? 
And you don't need to put it on Facebook. In fact, please, please, please don't put it on Facebook. Imagine if the church community, instead of putting all that garbage on Facebook, if we actually went to the Lord in prayer. <laughs> Imagine how different that would be. Facebook is not our God. Or Twitter or Instagram or Tumblr or any of those other things that you subscribe to. They're not evil but they are not the outlet of source that can fix anything. If anything, it makes things worse as people respond to you. You've got a heavenly Father that can fix it. That's what we should be doing. Pour your heart out to Him instead of making the rest of us suffer with your three-page rant. And if some of you are wondering, if I read your text, if there's ever a spot that says, see more, I'm done. I didn't see it because I don't want to see more. But come on this morning, let's be honest. God loves you so much. You owe it to him and you owe it to yourself to decide what's making your vision blurry. And some of you have never been focused ever, so this is going to be tough, but I'm telling you, now is the time. God's making this time. He's, he's showering you with grace, and he's going to surround you with the power of the Holy Spirit encouraging people. What's keeping your vision blurry? And stop making the excuses. I know you've got a disease. I know you've got a problem. I know you've got a hang-up. I know you've got a past. Just like everybody else. It's time to stop having blurry vision. And even worse, this is you. Maybe you're thinking, well, it hasn't hit me yet. This is going to hit you. If you're the person that says someday or I hope, that's your blurry vision. Make the vision clear. Now, how do we do this? That's great. It's one thing to say all this stuff. How do we do this? The Bible provides the answer. And Paul, as he's talking to uh, an ancient group in a, in a church in Ephesus, uh, chapter 3, this is, this is what he says to them. May you experience the love of Christ. How about you this morning? When you think about Christ, do you think love or do you think judge? When you think about Christ, do you think about love and loving other people or do you think religion? You see, unless you can fully experience the love of Jesus Christ, you won't fully know Jesus Christ because he is love. Will he be a judge? Yes. Is he pure and holy? Yes. But if you're serving him out of fear or some weird religiosity that makes it feel like I've got to do certain things to make it to heaven, that's not love. That's works. And you need the love of Jesus Christ because that will compel you. Even Paul himself says, the love of Jesus Christ compels me. The inside. None of you are following me around making sure I don't drink or that I don't cheat, or that I don't steal. You know what does that? The love of Jesus Christ in me, that I don't want to hurt him, and I don't want to hurt you. I don't need an external force anymore. When I was drinking too much and got sent to AA, that was on the outside. But guess what? They can't make me want to stop. You know what made me want to stop? God had to heal some stuff in me. And then it takes that stuff away. And for some of you, that's still the issue. That's why you're drinking. That's why you're smoking. That's why you're overeating. That's why you're sleeping around. Is there something inside of you? It's not a habit that can't be broken, but he needs to fix something that's broken on the inside. 
And then your vision will become clear. And it's just you acting out on your pain. That's why I was drinking. I, you know, I didn't know any better at the time. <laughs> but now I do. Rudy says, I hope that you'll experience the love of Christ. Though it is too great to understand fully, none of us can fully understand the full love of Jesus Christ. It's, it'll just blow our minds. But look what he says. Then you will be made complete. Look it. If you can get the love of Jesus Christ, if we begin to work and move and, and have our life in the love of Jesus Christ, we'll be made complete with all the fullness of life. You want a full life? We've got to get this vision, church. You can have the fullness of life, and I'm not talking about full of pain and full of debt. I'm talking about life. I'm talking about the good life. The fullness of life and power that comes from God. Not something that the world's telling you, not some new faddish thing, not some self-help, but when all of a sudden you realize who God is and who he is in you, all of a sudden you've got some new power you didn't have before. You've got to start seeing you like God sees you. And you've got to start asking, God, show me who I am through your eyes. You can be made complete that your fullness of life and power that comes from God, verse 20, look at this. Now, all glory to God. Look at what's the focus here. All glory goes to, see, when we put the glory on ourselves, it clouds our vision, right? Now, get this with me. Everybody can understand this. You ready? You've got things in your house and in your car called windows. No, pastor, really? Yes, It's just glass, right? But all they do is treat the back of the glass. And now all you do when you look in that kind of glass is see you. When you remove the blockage, then you see the world. Then you see other people. Then you see what God's doing. But as long as there's a blockage... Your vision is only seeing you. Our glory only comes from God. And our job is to give Him glory. All glory to God who is able through His mighty power, where? At work in us. Notice this. It's not from the outside. It's not from threats. It's not from preachers pointing their finger at you, telling you you're going to hell or telling you this or that. It's the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us. Right in here, folks. As He changes our hearts and He changes our minds and He changes our behavior as we follow Him. That power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Do you catch a vision of it this morning? If your vision is just to make money, good God, what are you going to do when you're dead and it's all gone? And then what did you do? You spent all your waking hours trying to make that money and you lost relationships and opportunities and you bypassed God and He just wants you. And look what He's saying. He can accomplish, if we'll get this, if we'll understand His love, if we'll get into that vein of being complete and the fullness of life that comes from God, He can do more than we might ask or think. What's the biggest thing you've ever asked God for? 
Maybe it's time to get a bigger vision. You know, I'd really like a job that pays. Anybody off the street can get something like that. Just have to lie on a resume. What would you ask for that might echo into eternity? What would you ask for to be so huge it just makes your knees shake a little bit? <laughs> what would you ask God to do in you that it's kind of scary that you think, I'm, I'm praying, but that almost makes me want to pee a little bit. And if you're offended, offended by P, I'm sorry, but I won't say P again. But you know what I'm talking about? Kind of like, whoa. Is that too big? Is that, is that too much to ask? Is that... See, there's a story in the Old Testament of a prophet that God was working through, and he had a young apprentice that was still learning this way. And the young apprentice uh, had good vision. God leads him into a town on purpose, and the army had been pursuing this prophet because he kept uh, antagonizing the kingdom at the time. And during the night, they come in and they surround the whole village with warriors and chariots. In the morning, the young apprentice gets up and gets ready to get things going for the day, and he looks out, and all he sees is this army that has surrounded them. And he gets upset, and he's worried, and he's frantic, and he runs to the prophets. During the night, they've moved in, and we're surrounded. There's... I don't know what we're going to do. And that prophet said something so powerful that I hope you catch this morning. He prayed over his young assistant. He said, Lord, let him see that there are more for us than against us. And then when the young man looked again, he saw on top of all the mountains the heavenly host and chariots of fire, and angels encamped around them ready to go. But he didn't see it the first time. He just saw with his flesh eyes. And some of you, you got to get past that. And I'm praying right now, Lord, let them see. Stop seeing the difficulty. Stop seeing the sabotage. Stop seeing their illness. Stop seeing the excuses. Stop seeing only themselves. And start seeing that God is mighty for us and not against us. He is working on our behalf. That's what he's saying right here. That's what Paul is trying to explain. He's like, he'll do more than you could ask or think. But we're asking so small. Most of the time, our prayers only get as far as us or maybe our family. And there is a lost and dying world. There are healings that need to take place. There is glories for God that need to take place. There are interventions that need to be taking place. There's opportunities that we're missing because we're just praying, oh Lord, get me through this day. I hope I make it to lunch. I hope my coworker didn't eat my lunch. I hope. 
I mean, is that really our prayers? Is that the depth of our, wow, ask infinitely above and beyond prayer? Hope I get something good for my birthday. How about some big mountain-moving prayers? I mean, the kind of prayers, it sounds a little cliche, the kind of prayers that over time, and we see what God does, the kind of prayers that when we get up in the morning, the devil goes, oh, God, he's awake. Hmm? We do so little of that because we get focused on us instead of on God. Now, here's what it says, verse 21. We're wrapping this up. Look it. He wants to do this mighty power. And again, that is not some little thing. Mighty power at work within us. Not just to change us, but to change the world around us. To accomplish infinitely. That means you can't even begin to understand it. Infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to Him where? In the church. Church, if we can't give glory to God through our lives, who's going to? And this is part of the problem of our times, is that even the church has gotten used to serving self. Trying to build an organization, trying to fill the seats. Now, we should be filling the seats, but not so we feel good. We should be filling the seats because there are lost people that need to be saved. We should be filling seats because there are people that need a healing. We've got people that need their addictions broken. We've got people that have never heard the good news of Jesus Christ. Not just, hey, we're doing a free meal afterwards. You want to come out and get some free food? Glory to Him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations. You see, that was a big prayer back then, that it would never stop. It would keep going through generation after generation. Are we going to be the generation that stops this? Are we going to be the generation that reverts to such small thinking that it's just about us and, gee, what about me and my little paycheck and my kids and my... Pray for those, but God already knows your needs. Pray big. Pray something that makes you weak in the knees if God was about to do it in you. A few years later in the church, Paul says something a little bit different to the church in Philippi, and he shares two powerful verses as he writes this letter to them, and first one being this. This will help clear up your vision this morning. Being confident of this very thing. What should we be confident in? That he... Jesus, who has begun a good work in you, will complete it. Did you get that? You may not see it yet. It may still be growing and growing and growing. But don't think that it stopped because his vision for you is not going to be done until he completes it when he comes back. He's going to keep working on you and your life and your prayer life and your worship and everything about you until he comes back. So if you're trying to get to the place where you're just hoping Jesus leaves you alone, good luck. It's time to quit having separate lives. Oh, i got my work life and my family life, and, and you've got a God life, period. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, He should be woven into every part of your life. He lets you work. He lets you breathe. He lets you raise your kids. He lets you do all the stuff. He lets you go to school, and that's the reality is it should be woven into all parts of our life. We can't have a life separate from Him if we are alive in Christ. And Paul is trying to explain that to them. You need to be confident of this, that he is never going to stop working on you. 
There's nothing you can do that can get him to stop, but it would be so much more helpful if you quit fighting him. Right? I didn't realize I had a lot to say to people until I started just sharing stories of my life. When we actually stop resisting those that are trying to help us and encourage us and bring us forward, that path goes so much faster, doesn't it? Instead of making all the excuses, instead of saying, but you didn't, all this stuff. Maybe for some of you it's time to just say, God, I'm done fighting. I'm done resisting. I'm done explaining. I'm done justifying. You know you need to get married. You know you need to stop smoking dope. You, you know, and there's nothing new I'm telling you this morning, but you've got to put your hands up to God and say, I surrender. Because I know you're going to take care of me, but the longer I fight you, and, and it reminds me of when I was a kid when uh, I didn't get shoes very often, and so when I found a favorite pair of shoes, I wore them a lot, and I lived on a farm, so I never took my shoes off till bedtime. And it wasn't very long doing that, playing, getting sweaty, playing in the pond, doing all that stuff that I developed a really bad case of athlete's foot. And I had cracks and all this stuff in between my toes, pretty painful, smelly. But my grandma is old, and they did all the old stuff. And if you've got old grandparents, you know what I mean. If it didn't stink or stain or sting, it didn't work, right? They wore brass, and they took fish oil, and they did mustard plaster and all that crazy stuff. And they lived to be 90 and 100. Maybe there wasn't so much. But she said, I've got something to fix that. And I should have figured this out when I was younger, but I'm not much smarter than now than I was then. But she actually had my dad sit on me on the couch and broke open a bottle of Absorbing Junior, which is a liniment for achy joints. It's not designed for athletes' feet, because it's mostly alcohol. And it has a little rollerball on it. They don't even make this stuff anymore. They probably outlawed it because of my experience. <laughs> she pulled that thing out and grabbed my foot and began to rub that absorbing junior all over my feet, and she might as well have just poured gasoline and fire on that. And I'm kicking, and I'm screaming, and I'm fighting, and I'm... But if I had just cooperated with changing my shoes and my socks, would have avoided the pain. And for some of you, that's been your life experience. Been fighting and kicking, and maybe it's time to lay all that down and just give up and give it to Jesus. Today would be a great day, right? What a great day to start freedom, <laughs> start a new life, to all of a sudden take a fresh breath and realize, wow, I see clearly, maybe for the first time. And he continues on, last but not least, Philippians 4.13, he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You see, you're part of the equation, my friend. You're waiting for somebody somewhere. You're waiting for God to magically zap or do something magical, mystical. But you're part of the equation. 
you got to decide you're done drinking. You got to decide you're done smoking. You got to decide you're going to serve God. You got to decide you're going to be a willing participant in this because you can do all things through Christ and he'll strengthen you to do it. If you say, I'm too weak to do it right now, you just start and he'll strengthen you along the way. How? Look at the first part of that verse, right? You be confident that what he's starting in you, he'll be faithful to complete it. He'll keep strengthening you along the way. Maybe you can't fully complete it right now, but as you keep trying and as you keep growing and as he keeps pouring out on you, someday you'll walk out of that thing and you'll find out, I'm free. That's behind me. And great things are ahead of me. Because all the things that, quote, God took from me, it wasn't all easy, but I am so thankful, and they are not missed. None of it is missed. I don't miss the feeling of being drunk and out of control. I don't miss the feeling of wondering where the money went. I don't miss the feeling of hugging a toilet and puking my guts up. I don't miss the feeling of waking up and wondering, how did I get here? I don't miss the feeling of driving and seeing the red and blues into my rearview mirror and knowing what the next step is going to be. We have our life in Jesus Christ, and it's a life that you want, whether your flesh tells you that or not. But for some of you, your vision is blurry, and you're only seeing what you want. And that's probably not going to lead you to the life that you really want. We make dumb decisions. We get blurry vision.